On today's edition of Cover Your Assets KC, are there universal retirement truths? We talk all the time about retirement being this unique journey for each of us. The thought that there might be some sort of one-size-fits-all solution we've dispelled as a myth before. But what if we told you that there are actual certain universal truths that could guide every retiree, no matter what your situation is? We're going to find that middle ground on today's episode and dive deep into uh, a conversation where we juxtapose the individuality of our retirement plans with some foundational principles that gonna kind of remains consistent across the board. We'll talk it all out with David Dickens on today's edition of Cover Your Assets KC. Let's get it started. Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Well, David, it's great to be with you for another episode. How has your week been, my friend? Well, it's been pretty good. We, um, not that it always comes back to football in my life. We got the Chiefs on track, <laughs> and my fantasy football team won. And so, you know, fall is looking up. When it's fall and the Chiefs are doing well, it's hard not to think about anything else when you live in Kansas City, right? You know, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of everywhere. So, especially you look at your Twitter feed or your X feed, and. There's just a lot of ways to get more Chiefs information than you could possibly stand. Well, you you do seem to have a pretty familiar, I would say, three-item rotation that we talk about at the beginning of episodes. <laughs> it's either Chiefs, golf, or the grandkids. One of, <laughs> one of those three things. And sometimes they merge together, but that seems to yeah. be... that That's your life outside of uh, financial planning. Besides work, that's my life. <laughs> I should talk more about my wife, because she's delightful. Mm, uh, we better make that a four-part conversation. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. You know, somehow she gets left out. I don't know. Uh, grandkids maybe have a way of doing that, just kind of <laughs> always taking up your, your mindset, perhaps. Oh, yeah. So. That old joke about how uh, the kids say, "Weren't well, you excited to see us too?" Or is it just our just your grandkids you're excited to see? Eh, we're excited to see everybody, but boy, those grandkids are pretty cool. They just got a little something extra to them. So, yep, fantastic. Well, we'll uh, we'll find some good reasons to uh, to work in some brownie points for you uh, with the <laughs> wife on on some future episodes. Uh, let's talk about these universal retirement truths. So, I've got a list of five that we can tackle on today's show, David. And I guess first of all, fact check me, right? Are these actual uh, truths, and are they universal, or is it one of these "it depends" kinds of things? And, and we're going to say, no, nah, you may not be truly right on this front. And then, kind of second part of that, uh, if we know that these are universal retirement truths, well, how do they affect the financial plan? Why are they truths across the board? So that's sort of the mission today. Yeah. So, so these are truths, but you don't do them the same for each client because everybody's situation is different. But I think these are good examples of things that everybody needs to have thought through and maybe not turned into a specific plan for themselves, but you need to have thought through these as you're getting close to or into retirement. And so I'm, I'm excited about this episode. I think there's some some really good things. Hopefully we give you know some things for everybody to take away from, whether you're in, you're in your 30s or 40s, or whether you're 60 and looking down the barrel of retirement. Rarely do we ever say everybody XYZ, <laughs> but that's how I'm going to start this first one off, David. So uh, universal retirement truth number one, everybody needs an income plan. Can I get away with saying that? You know, I think you can, because we spend 40 years of our life working and drawing a paycheck, and it comes every two weeks or twice a month. And then that stepping off time when you retire, it happens to it happens to everybody that I work with, where all of a sudden they're not they're not drawing a paycheck anymore. And it's a, a little unnerving, almost regardless of how much money you've set aside for yourself. 
I think it is true that everyone needs an income plan, but not everyone needs the same detail or attention to the plan. I have a couple of clients, but I'm thinking of one in particular. He's got a nice big pension from his work, worked at the same place for 40 years, and he and his wife have two nice Social Security payments. And his required distribution, he's now, uh, he's been taking required distributions for a couple years. He doesn't need that money. He's, he's never needed that money, but he obviously has to take it. So does he actually need a plan? Well, he needs to know, he needs to have the confidence that when he's 80 and his pension hasn't gone up any with inflation and his Social Security has, is he going to have any difficulties feeling confident or comfortable with his cash flow in his 80s, 85s, his 90s, etc. Now, I have a couple other clients that I, I wrote down here as, as reminders for myself, but I have a client who is mid to late 50s, divorced. There's a lot of uncertainty for this person as they get into uh, 60, 65, 70. And if they have longevity, which they do, how is their money going to last through 85 and 90? And what's their lifestyle going to look like? So that's really an important time to have an income plan. Frankly, it makes this person feel a lot more comfortable with the path that they are on and spending some money now because the plan demonstrates to them that they're going to be fine through, my plans usually go through age 100. I've got another client who is an early retiree, early 60s, and really good genes. Uh, so there's a really good chance that this person is going to last well past, you never know, but well past uh, life expectancy. This couple is traveling really hard in the first three, four, five, six years of retirement, which is awesome because they have done really well for themselves. But there's always that thing in the back of their mind, are, are we going to be good if we live really long. And so even for a couple that has saved really well and has a nice pension, they still want that confidence level that it's going to be good and I can see it and I can see how the cash flows change over time. And that's really what an income plan is supposed to do for you. So I think everyone needs one, but they can be in vastly different levels of detail. I suppose we can get away with that because even if you you're going to have an income plan whether you write it down or not, right? Some folks even that are flying by the seat of their pants are still kind of having an income plan. Um, it's certainly better if we can write that thing down and get it truly structured for your situation. No doubt about that. But okay, we got away with saying everybody. Can, can we do it again? All right, how about uh, universal truth potential? Number two, everybody needs a plan to address long-term care issues. So this one's a little bit tricky because there's there's a, a number of different ways to approach long-term care. And the statistics would tell you that these days, 60-some-odd percent of us are going to need some sort of long-term care. And as medicine gets better and, and treatments get better and we seem to be staying healthier, there's a pretty high probability that a bunch of us are going to need long-term care. And the problem is it's really expensive. So our base case planning, back to the income plan, we do an income plan for people. We almost always include one big what-if scenario, and that what-if scenario almost always includes one or both of the couple needing long-term care for, say, three to five years, usually starting at age 85. So we'll build that into the scenario. Why is that a big deal? Well, right now in Kansas, Missouri, Midwest, 
long-term care costs you about 90 grand a year. And if inflation of that product, healthcare, only runs at 5% inflation. So for a 66-year-old, by the time you're 85 and you might need long-term care, that 90 grand a year is probably going to cost you a little north of 200 grand a year. And if you need it for three to five years, I think on average people need it for 30, right around 36 months. Well, that's 600 grand. And that can punch a big hole in your plan, especially for the spouse who doesn't need it but continues to live on. That usually generates a question of, so Dave, how do we, how can we plan for that or, or lay off some of that risk to someone else? Well, you can buy long-term care insurance policies, but frankly, by the time you're 65, five, they're super expensive. And everybody that I know that has one, as they turn 70 and 72 and 73, the insurance company says, oh, we need to raise your premium sometimes a lot, or you can let us reduce your future benefits. And that's always a really disappointing letter to get in the mail from your insurance company. So long-term care insurance is a is a possibility. Some um, income-producing annuities have something called a home health care doubler, where the income that they send you every month will double maybe for a period of three to five years if you end up qualifying for long-term care. Uh, and then I have a number of clients who have gotten into this uh, living progression of a, f- a facility that has independent living, and then you can graduate to assisted living if you need to, and then did nursing care if you need to. And that's kind of a way of, of buying into a, into a residence that can graduate you into the different types of care you might need. And then the other strategy is kind of hoping you don't ever need it. And if you do, you're kind of hoping that one of your kids will take care of you. <laughs> that's probably, that's probably 50% of the, of the strategy out there. Well, if you look at, at Americans as a whole, well, that's probably 90% of the strategy. Uh, because so many Americans don't have hardly anything put away for retirement. But long-term care is something that needs to be thought about and discussed. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to buy a product to lay off that risk. But since the probabilities are more than 50-50 that you're going to need it, it's absolutely something that you would want to see what it does to your plan and then decide whether you need to take some action. All right, how about another one, David? Uh, nobody knows how long they're going to live. Now, that one I know we can get away with saying uh, an absolute. <laughs> Absolutely. So it could be tomorrow, or it could be, you know, on your 99th birthday. We know you're unlikely to live past about 105, but what we like to do is when we're putting together a plan for someone, especially someone who doesn't have a big pension and a couple of Social Securities and a, and a required distribution they don't need, but people that actually run the risk of running out of money. We always run these plans out to age 100 to say, well, how much in assets do you have left over at age 100, if any? And if not, are there changes that we can make, hopefully tweaks, but are there changes we can make now which would extend that age at which your money does run out closer to or beyond age 100. Now, I have a lot of clients that say, boy, I am not spending enough because I do not want to leave that much money (laughs) to my, you know, kids, grandkids, whoever it is. That's a personal decision as to what kind of monetary estate you want to leave behind. But, But life expectancy in America, if you're 65 years old today, 
So life expectancy about 74, 75. But if you get to age 65, then your life expectancy as a male is 84. So uh, 86 if you're a female. Well, that's 20 years of retirement. And you want to make sure that, you know, that your money is going to last at least as long as life expectancy in America. So you're right. Nobody knows how long we're going to live. You just want a plan that demonstrates to you with some high level of confidence that your money's not going to run out, maybe not all the way to age 100, but you'd sure like to get to, at a minimum, life expectancy. And that gives you a lot of confidence in what you're spending in those early years of retirement. It's one of those tough things about trying to plan for retirement that affects all of us. And yeah, it'd be a lot easier to do the math if we knew when our end date was, but because we don't, it makes the math problem a little bit harder to solve. And that's part of the fun that you get to experience, David, as a planner, to uh, kind of plan for these unknowns and solve yeah. for these issues. One so, of those puzzle pieces that is, yeah. is kind of fun to toss around. Can you imagine how unnerving it would be if you actually knew? Yeah. They've how made long movies you were about live? that. <laughs> oh, be careful what you wish for, because... The week yes. leading up to that would be a little unnerving. Yeah, I, I want to say there was uh, there's been a couple of like movies and maybe TV shows around that idea. I'm trying to remember the one off the top of my head, but it was definitely the kind of thing that like it really changed society as a whole, if I remember correctly, because just that knowledge you knew, and so then it just changed the way everybody lived their life. I don't know it's kind of kind of interesting. I'll have to go see if I can find what movie that was. But <laughs> put that in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, number four: tax implications matter. They matter a lot, David. Matter more to some than others, but pretty much to everybody's needs to pay attention to taxes, right? Yeah, and so, you know, we've sprinkled tax implications all through the last two or three years of these podcasts. But so the one thing that I think always kind of shocks people is if you have an IRA or a 401k, which basically all of our listeners do, let's say it's a half, uh, made in half dollars. Well, the surprising thing is when you find, when you realize that only a million of that million and a half is yours because 25% of it is owned by the IRS or Congress, and 5% is going to your state, unless you happen to live in one of the few states where that is not taxable. When you look at your IRA and 401k balances, you got to realize only a portion of that is mine. Uh, The other thing that always kind of surprises people that don't do any advanced planning is once you reach the age of required minimum distributions, age 73, this might have been, we might have covered this sometime in the last month or two, but your tax bracket, once RMDs start, your tax bracket is pretty well locked in, unless, well, I mean, if Congress raises taxes in the future, it's locked in in an even worse way than we can project right now. The reason I say that is, let's say you're mid-60s right now, you can do some projections that will tell you how big your IRAs and 401ks are going to be at age 73. And then you can apply the percentage that Congress makes you take out every year, which is taxed as ordinary income. And you can add your Social Security and maybe your spouse's Social Security and your pension and maybe your spouse's pension. And you add all that income up and in a lot of cases of the people I work with, they don't really need that required distribution. They're just forced to take it. And once that starts and you have your Social Securities and your pensions, that RMD is almost certain to bump you up into the next higher tax bracket or maybe even the bracket after that. And then the totally unexpected consequence where tax implications matter is if you're a married couple, once one of you dies, 
Then all of a sudden you're paying taxes based on the individual tax schedule as opposed to the married filing joint tax schedule. And that makes a big difference as to your marginal tax bracket. So if you're listening to this and you're in your late 50s, 60s, maybe even early 70s, where you still have a little bit of time to do something before RMDs start, that may be a Roth conversion. It could be spending down. Uh, There are things you can do now to reduce the amount of RMDs you're going to have at age 73, at which point you're locked in to at least the high tax bracket that you'll be in then, unless Congress does something different. So there's this window between when you retire and when RMDs start, where you can do some interesting things to reduce future tax bills. And that needs to be the uh, in the plan. I can't put a percentage on it, but if you've done pretty well for yourself, that needs to be in part of your plan before age 73 rolls around. Tax is so important to talk about. That's why we spend a whole episode talking about required minimum distributions, by the way. If you'd like to check that one out, just go back one episode from this one. It was number 230, the headline, Demystifying RMDs. Go check that out, and you can get some great information about uh, required minimum distributions and how you can better prepare for that eventuality. David goes into some more detail uh, than what he just did here on this episode, in fact. So go check that one out as well. All right, last but not least, David, our final universal retirement truth. We're going to talk about estate planning and the fact that it's it's not just for the wealthy. That's the key takeaway, Walter. It's Retirement planning is a universal truth. Everybody needs to do something. It doesn't have to be complicated. It definitely doesn't have to be expensive. But you do need to have several key building blocks in place. So, for instance, each state has rules of where your money is going to go when you die. And if you don't designate where you want it to go, Well, the state has rules and laws that will dictate where it goes. So you have plenty of opportunity while you're living to make these decisions. You have zero opportunity once you're gone. So number one, biggest and baddest of them all would be beneficiary designations. Your IRAs, your 401ks, your brokerage accounts. Those are all things that you can put a beneficiary designation. You can give a particular percentage of that money to your kids, your grandkids, your neighbor, your your university, your church. All you have to do is fill out the form. Uh, so that is super important. Uh, and it's really important to just remind yourself of who those beneficiaries are. We like to do it every year because things change in your life. So that's, that is really important. And a second thing that's super important is all everything that you might have at a bank or a credit union, those are monies that are going to be trapped in probate unless you have a TOD, a transfer on death designation. That's basically a beneficiary designation form for something that's not a retirement account. So your bank accounts, your CDs, again, you can name anybody. But if you say, well, Dave, I don't need to worry about that because I have powers of attorney. Well, those powers of attorney powers, those POA powers, they stop at your death. So your POA can't do anything with your bank accounts after your death. So you can do TODs, transfer on death, on your bank deposits, your vehicles, and your home or any other real estate you own. Real estate is a little trickier. You might want to get an attorney involved, but you can 
at least in Kansas, you can do it yourself. Cars are simple. The people at the DMV know exactly what you're talking about. And you just put a beneficiary on your, on your vehicle title. And then um, I already mentioned powers of attorney, but everybody listening to this, I can't think of anybody listening to this podcast that shouldn't have POAs, powers of attorney documents named. They're usually financial power of attorneys and healthcare power of attorney. And all that says is if I'm unable to speak for myself, well, who do I want to speak for me? If I can't write a check because I'm in some way disabled, who has access to my checking account that can write those for me? I'm not deceased yet, but I'm incapacitated. Otherwise, your money's locked up and nobody's getting it out if you're still living but can't speak for yourself. And then the last thing I think is super important. So this is a bit of a decision. It may not be important to you, but an advanced directive or a living will. And all that is is a legal document that says, well, doctor, if this is going on with me, then I want you to pull the plug. If this is going on with me, I want you to take every step possible to keep me alive. Now, I've seen this work in beautiful fashion one time where a relatively young relative of mine was in a bad spot and couldn't speak for himself and he had an advanced directive and nobody around that bed had to make a decision because this person had already made had already told everybody in writing here's what i want you to do and here's what i don't want you to do if i'm in a coma or otherwise unable to speak for myself. It takes so much pressure, potentially so much guilt off of your family members. If you take the step to have a a living will or an advanced directive that is particularly related to your healthcare. So those are the things that, that are super easy. You don't, most people, in fact, I think we did a podcast on this in the last three months. Most people don't need a trust. The vast majority of people in America do not need a trust. If you have a complicated financial life, maybe, or if you have relatives who are in some way special needs, well, you probably do need a trust. But the vast majority of us, really, we, we don't because we have financial assets, we have cars, and we have real estate. And those can all be taken care of through beneficiary designations and transfer on death forms that you just fill out at your bank or credit union. Wonderful, David. I'm not finding that uh, episode with a, a quick look about the trust question. Perhaps that was in one of maybe our mailbag episodes, but I could point people into the direction of episode 220. Back from May of this year, 2023, that is, in case you happen to be listening to this, I don't know, in 2028 or something, um, (laughs) (laughs) go check that one out. It's four big beneficiary mistakes you do not want to make. So we talk a little bit more about beneficiaries in that one. Might be another good resource episode for those who are trying to think a little bit about estate planning and passing on wealth to the next generation in in this vein of uh, financial planning. So, But you make some compelling reasons there, David, why it's really important to make sure that we are... Just considering all of these moving parts, and you're making me want to go out and do some powers of attorney right now, um, just just kind of listening to, to the story that you told about where it's been beneficial in the past and, and why you would need that in place. So I hope it motivates others to action as well today. Well, I hope so, too. It's a pretty easy thing to put off when you're in your 30s and 40s. But like like your question of two questions ago, nobody knows how long they're going to live. And nobody knows when they're going to get in a car wreck that might Mm -hmm. incapacitate them. Or they have, you know, who knows? These bodies of ours are awesome until they're not. 
and they can be a little bit frail. So, yeah, these these are simple steps that, almost regardless of age, uh, you can take care of these with almost no cost and a little bit of hassle. And if you ever do need them, your if you have a spouse or your heirs, your loved ones, they're all going to be super happy <laughs> that you took these steps uh, to you know clean things up after after you're not here. Well, here's some good news. This is all really easy to do, this planning process and making sure these documents are taken care of, all the things that we've discussed today, when you have somebody helping you, when you have someone on your side guiding you through the process. And that's what David does each and every day there at KC Financial Advisors. And so if you'd like to talk with David to see if you'd be a good fit to work with one another, go through a review process of your financial plan. It's it's the CPR process, David calls it, the complete planning review. It's easy to start that conversation and engage in the the planning. All you have to do is reach out, and you can do that a couple of different ways. You can call 913-317-1414. That's 913-317-1414. Or go online to coveryourassetskc.com. That's coveryourassetskc.com. And lots of great resources of information for you on the website as well. David, thanks for the great breakdown on today's episode and talking about these universal retirement truths. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up again soon. We'll look forward to another good show. Thanks, Walter. We'll have one tuned up next time around. So thanks for joining us, everybody. And we'll see you next time on Cover Your Assets, KC. Advisory services offered through Creative One Wealth, LLC, an investment advisor. KC Financial Advisors and Creative One Wealth, LLC, are not affiliated. We are an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. The information and opinions contained in this program have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. They are given for informational purposes only and are not a solicitation to buy or sell any of the products mentioned. The information is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. This material has been provided by a licensed insurance professional for informational and educational purposes only and is not endorsed or affiliated with the Social Security Administration or any government agency. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for accounting, legal, tax, or investment advice.